0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Co-founder of the British Nursing Alliance, Kate Shemarani, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: I am Kate Shimarani naturalness in a toxic world for tnt radio live and you are now in the army the natural nurse army you've been listening to my first part of my regular saturday show and i hope you're going to join us because you're going to learn how to be true ministers of healing you're going to learn how to avoid the national homicide service and why you should in a minute with my first guest but i'm just going to finish up quickly If you've got any erectile dysfunction sexual diseases if you're short or long-sighted if you've got ear ear diseases if you've got mental health issues you should really consider looking at the mucusless diet healing system by professor arnold eric and just to say there was another pioneer these listen this is nothing new they've just got rid of these guys and bought in their pharmaceutical pharmakia petroleum-based garbage dr Ulrich williams was a gp and a for a former waganui hospital surgeon who practiced from 1918 to 1968 he was six foot two reserved good looking sounding like the doctors isn't it no no they're all fat now and a very good athlete he had an exceptional mind and trained as a doctor in the uk at cambridge and edinburgh universities the russell group universities that's what my daughter was my kids went anyway look up until 1932 had a terrible reputation of being a playboy doctor (laughs) nothing changes there does it he was interested in sports golf women booze fags and his patients and uh incidentally fag is cigarette in the uk don't get upset if you're in america and as one golfing friend put it he would rush through the surgery of his patients filling them with sedatives and drugs as fast as he could so that he could get back to his life's pleasures Does that sound familiar, that they would just ram you full of drugs so they could get off shift? I'll tell you what I've just seen. Yes. He believed one night he pushed through his last patient of the day and he was alone in his surgery and he heard a clear voice. And that voice said to him, are you not ashamed of yourself? I've heard a clear voice when I was cancer and it said, do not do chemo. I thought it was my ex-husband from downstairs. I heard it in the room doctors would say that you're having auditory hallucinations and you're a schizophrenic. They wouldn't want to say it was God. He believed the voice was from God and it was a turning point in his professional career. He stopped his playboy lifestyle and he became dissatisfied with surgery. So what he started to look at was all of the natural things. During the 1940s, he opened four health homes in Wanganui area and healed, 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 meaning he completely reversed their disease of chronically ill cancer patients, arthritis patients, TB, heart disease. And they they would come to him from all over New Zealand. He sent virtually every single one of them home, either completely healed or greatly improved. He would use no drugs or surgery and his healing method was to discover what they were doing wrong, eating, thinking, lifestyle habits, and then show them how to correct it. Are you getting the drift? Are you getting the Drift Health and Truth Seekers? You are. I'm sitting in front of you 12 years post-diagnosis because I wouldn't do what they wanted me to do. And I'm sure my fabulous producer today, because this show is dedicated to his beautiful wife. Because I can tell you, he's having to listen to all of this and we've had quick chats and his wife is now with our Lord and Creator. That's my belief. But I can tell you, the Lord told us that everything that we need is here in the seeds, the fruits, the trees. He gave us the medicines, as herbs. He gave us all of this. When He talks about me, He's not talking about you eating half a cow. You need to pick up a Bible and read Genesis. But, folks, honestly, it's within your hands, and I'm going to take you every step of the way. So, if you've got anything that I've just told you, get your Christmas and New Year fridge emptied. Get all your chocolates. If you really must scoff them all, because come January the 2nd, when anyone invites you out for a McDonald's or any of your beer or anything else, you're going to say, I can't, I've just, I've just signed up for the army, you've just signed up for the army, you're in the natural nurse army, because you are going to be the best version of yourself, you shouldn't be dying at 70, you shouldn't be getting cancer at 40 or 23, you shouldn't be suffering from all these diseases it's what you're doing it's what you're thinking it's what you're breathing it's what you're drinking it's what you're eating you should be living a long life like the hunzas in the himalayas who live till they're 120 plus they don't have any cancer they eat everything from the apricot plant that's the apricot kernels i was telling you about the vitamin b17 do you know what they do you just get tired one day don't want to eat or drink lie down death occurs within two days like your dogs It's not a long drawn out thing where they rape every asset. But we're going to talk about that now. So look, I am going to finish on a high note because it's a bit of a a doo-doo sandwich, a poo sandwich today. It's where I start off with a good bit, put some crud in the middle, but then we finish on a good bit. Now, you can see my amazing guest. He's actually my surrogate husband. I talk to him so much. I talk to him every morning, every afternoon, every evening. We speak all the time. And he does a lot of research for me because I can't do it on my own. My guest is Stuart Wilkie. And what all of you don't know about him, he he was an Olympian. You know, in the Olympics, British Airways sponsored him. And I used to see those pictures of of him. And I didn't know that later in my life I was going to meet him. And he's one of those guys that you would see in those lycra bodysuits, you know, where everything shows. And uh, they hurtle from the very top down that massive ski jump and they jump off the end he did it in world championships he did it in the olympics so for all of you that saw eddie the eagle and you saw him on the car because they put that in the movie that wasn't eddie the eagle did that it was stewart and his brother that did the car standing on the top of the car it was stewart that was actually representing great britain in the olympics and i have sent our producers some pictures so maybe they might want to put it on the olympic uh, on the uh website but that's who you've got sitting in front of you he was also a medical researcher years ago his own parents have also been murdered with drugs by those entrusted to care for them and he has worked tirelessly over the last three and a half years and now he works tirelessly with me, has to listen to me droning on, and and like I say, I I, I love him like a husband, and it's great because I don't have to live with him. And as the producer quite rightly said, I can mute him at any time. <laughs> Stuart, welcome to TNT Radio Live, the Natural Nurse Army. I I feel like I've only just spoke to you because I have. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Charisma Kate.
2: Um, Yes, um, I had a background in sports, but prior to that, when I was at university, I worked with a doctor and I studied drugs, and particularly some of the drugs, the benzodiazepines, that are very relevant to what's happened um, during COVID and why they've been used during COVID. But what I hope to do today was just collect everything together. It's actually four years, um, really, with, with COVID. It was the 30th of January of 2020 that they declared it as a, a international pandemic um for me it's things started earlier because my own mother was killed on the 23rd of december which would have been last saturday and my father um on the 29th of december was being murdered by the use of end-of-life drugs now you're probably wondering what the connection is of that to COVID, and i'll, I'll come on to that but what i wanted to do to give your wonderful audience was a framework a global framework which might put everything else into perspective for them. And their own anecdotes, their own experiences, they can then see how that fits in. And if you come with me and bear with me, I'll go back a little bit in time and then back to the um, to the, the, the chronology of events that happened during COVID and explain why it's all relevant. So we had something called COVID-19 that started on the centennial of the the world um, was what they called Spanish flu, which was actually Kansas flu. It came from a, a US Air Force base and it was then seemingly knowingly spread around the world. They knew that there were about 1100 cases and these military guys then went out across the world and spread it. Very interesting. The first people that studied this was the Rockefeller Institute.
1: And they, immediately
2: blamed, <laughs> they, they immediately blamed the Chinese workers in and around Kansas the spread of this disease um and then the next the next um scapegoats were at the um spanish and what actually happened was the spanish were documenting it well and because of that it appeared that they had more cases and that's also relevant to what's happened during covid as well
1: yeah so it's sounding very familiar it's, it's, Stuart. very familiar story here so they followed the, they followed the same benefit. script yeah it's just the same script Ex- exactly so then
2: then we have the start of this the, um, so the 30th of january 2020 hardly anybody's heard about this there's something going on in, in china and people are dying on the streets on the 6th of february in the uk a deputy medical officer here in england and I, I should explain england is a, an epicenter of this and but it will link to australians and I'll, I'll link it to america and i'll link it to the rest of europe as well so basically all of your tn your wonderful tnt guests so what we've got here is a, uh, an international pandemic that they've announced. And within six days, they're already recording deaths for a World Health Organization study. And they're looking at 20,133 patients in 208 acute hospitals, um, particularly in England and Wales. And what they record is astonishing. This new disease that nobody knows anything about, other than the fact that you've seen people dying on the streets in women. Um, that the, the 26% of the people start dying from February the 6th in the UK, despite the fact that officially we don't have a, a death recorded from COVID until March the sixth, a month later. So there's an anomaly for you. But out of these 20,133, 26% died um, immediately. And then there were two other groups. One was a group that went into ICU, and 34% of that group died. And then the group that went on to ventilators, everybody remembers the ventilators, and 37% of that group died. So, overall, in this study, which was then used worldwide to procure the lockdowns and to tell all the politicians and to scare the living daylights out of the public, um, the, the overall death rate was in excess of um, 34%. So, more, more than one in three people died of this disease. Now, we know, now know that that was complete fabrication because we know that the the official rate was 0.019 percent as recorded in hand on our parliamentary paperwork so that's one in five thousand, and yet they're recording one in three are dying so that then helped with getting the lockdowns which were the 23rd of March so so Stuart in-
1: you know what Stuart it, this is this is government people in government positions lying Yes, and we lying, to lying, lying, of, lie, lying in lying in in office is a very serious yeah. offence. You can go to prison for what? Well, it's a long, long time lying in public office. The lying, yes. Well, it's not perjury. It's lies. perjury, and the, yeah. the other term that the, the other
2: term that people will recognise is mens rea, having an intent to do a wrongdoing, and that's a legal term. Uh, when it, when it's plural and there's multi governments doing it, you have a, a, the plural of that is mentis rei. And that means that all of them knowingly, wrongfully did what it did. I mean, they knew it was going to cause harm. And that's where it starts to get really interesting in terms of our connection to the rest of the world. Because Britain is the number one place in the world for ending life. It doesn't claim like it does like Dignitas in Switzerland does. What it is, is that we, we use more drugs to kill people at the end of their life than any other country in the world. We perfected it. We created the Liverpool Care Pathway back in uh, 1994, which tallies with the world, world Health Organization asking for an expansion of palliative care around the world. And again, you're wondering, what, what what's this link with COVID? Well, that study that I've told you about, which was recording all these COVID deaths at the beginning, which sparked off the whole global reaction, the lockdowns, I studied that a bit more, and I found out that the majority of the patients were given end-of-life drugs. So I then wanted to find out how much, how, how many drugs were they being given, what doses, uh, what were they begin, being given? And I found out it was the standard things of morphine and midazolam. Um, they usually add a couple of other cocktails into that, the hyacin which is scopol- scopolamine, and um, something like haloperidol. Uh, Hang
1: on, just, let's just say it for a minute. The, the word for scopolamine is the devil's breath. What that does, that scopolipine, that hyoscine it dries the secretions in your throat and they use it. They use it in hospitals. Obviously, they don't want lots of mucus. We've been talking about when they're trying to intubate you when you're having surgery, but to use it in your own home and to use it. it it's so that you don't, you know, nurses and, and relatives don't like to hear the death rattle, the devil's breath, they call it. So they give that and. I find it very difficult to understand why they're going into people's homes and give. So they give that. And I find it very difficult to understand why they're going into people's homes and giving that, along with these huge amounts, if not to kill the patient and to kill them so that their relatives don't hear it coming.
2: It, take, it takes away your memory, um, but it also, uh, as you oh, said yes, it's as well.
1: done for the wrong person. It takes away your memory. Yeah, it takes your memory away. So if you do survive, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like something from a horror movie. Stuart, just, just hold it there because we are, w- what we're talking about here, just to recap, folks, is that Great Britain, mm-hmm. land of hope and glory, Great Britain, uh, it, it's just like your Britannia, is the epicenter for killing patients we and where are they killed they're killed by the national homicide service we use more end-of-life drugs than any other country and don't think if you're living in australia oh good i'm safe because you ain't far behind we're just going to take a quick break and then we're going to carry on and Stuart's going to tell you how you aren't safe anywhere unless you're on tnt radio live be back in a minute
0: TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani.
1: Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP always but with psychiatric drugs you have to actually wean off them they're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now I find all this really concerning but what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all they just let it on the market all the time. Sugar 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG monosodium glutamate And, and I if I I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food, there's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them. Don't get all excited. But I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like. And your teenager's brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age.
0: Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio.
1: Father. <laughs>
0: there's a person to look at and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! What? Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism.
3: It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical.
0: These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. a hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster today's news talk
1: tnt radio hey i'm kate Shimrani. i'm your host every saturday morning 8 to 10 a.m on tnt radio live you are now in the natural nurse army and i can tell you i am getting the best bladder exercise ever because you know how women say oh, i can't go on a trampoline anymore i can't skip because i pee myself no you need to tighten your vagina tighten all of those muscles your pelvic floor that's what we we're talking about i'm sitting on three massive cupfuls of peppermint tea here and i thought yeah i'm gonna have to kind of slow that down on a two-hour show uh i did actually say in the break i could wear a leg bag or sit on a commode but i'm not going to just pee freely <laughs> and look i'm a nurse. I'm a nurse and I just want to say hello to everyone in the chat. Hello, Kay Miller, former nurse. Let me tell you, Kay, once a nurse, always a nurse. The title of registered is protected by Parliament. You are a trained and qualified nurse and will be one until the day you die. And thank you so much for everyone in the chat. Thank you for everyone out there for all of your emails. Some of your emails make me cry with the love and support you throw at me. They're fabulous. And also thanks for the freebies. And Terry, you know who you are. Thank you. What you sent me, my daughter has been using. So we will chat later about it. Very soon, my website will be up. I've got to give it a plug. Come on. It is, is, someone said my website's going to be all they need for the health advice. It's a tiny subscription a month. I know a lot of people like 70, 80 quid. I think mine's 5.99 or 4.99. And you're going to learn everything every day. You're going to get a little blog, a menu, all of it because it is hard work going through all of these different bits of of conflicting advice. And I've had to wade my way through it for 12 years. And there's gonna be everything on there, videos, all these shows, everything will be on there. And of course, you just gotta come, send your stuff, come on to TNT. Why? Why am I doing this? Because my last promise to myself and to the Lord was, if you heal me, Lord, I will use everything that I've learned along the way, speak through me, and I will teach it to others. And that's what I do. I lecture, I I go, and it's like, I've been booked for a comedy club. I don't know why, but anyway. And it's because I want you to learn what I've learned. My aim is to teach the nurses and have the British Nursing Alliance up and running soon, straight after this website, and train the nurses. Why? Why do I want to do this? Because you need to live a long life full of vitality. So that you don't end up in the system that my guest, former Olympic skier, Stuart Wilkie, is telling us about right now. He's just told us in the UK, we're the epicenter for end of life care, for killing people. What are we hearing all the time now? Oh, a sister dying. Come on, you know, you'll keep your property this way. You get to say goodbye to your loved ones. You get to choose when you die. You don't want to die in pain, do you, and not being able to look after yourself because you are old and smelly. And, you know, you get in the way of us wanting to go out. You have got big inheritance. Come on, Dad. Sign up for assisted dying. The doctor says it's for the best. That's how it's going. And it's going to come down in figures. till we're in Logan's run. You've got a light bulb in your hand flashing when you've got to go and pitch up in that auditorium. I'm not joking. Stuart, you've just left us with a very mouth-drying situation that Great Britain, which is very small, it is very small compared with lots of other countries and yet the land of hope and glory is indeed uh, we, we've we've killed more the last few years than was it the holocaust tell us more
2: yep okay well we're one of the smaller countries we're 21st largest in population and if you look at the figures for the deaths in um covid you'll see that america is number one and we're number six and there's something really wrong with that figure work, because America is more than five, is five times the size of us. Um, um, well, it's five times the size of the UK and six times the size of England. And that's relevant. So they, they have 330 million people. We're 68 million people. However, if you look at the number of deaths per rata, we're about the same. And in fact, if you distinguish between the whole of the UK, including Northern Ireland and Scotland, we're slightly under behind the Americans. But guess what? If you just look at the English figures, we're right at the top of the list. So why did we, an island that could have secured ourselves and made ourselves safe, why did we end up with the highest COVID figures pro rata per capita than anywhere else in the world? And that includes third world countries that don't have a health system at all. Now let me shock you a little bit. There are 31 countries in a group, which is the international collaboration of assist of end of dying, and that the person who runs that group, the chair of that group, is a, a professor John Ellishaw, who was the founder and creator of the Liverpool Care Pathway, and that is why all of these um, dying, all these countries in the top group that died, um, were all members of that uh, that thirty one group.
1: Well, the Liverpool Care Pathway, for people who don't know, was a pathway where they decided for you that your life should be ended, and you had all your food, water, essential medication removed, and you were and you were given drugs to end your life. Now, all of a sudden they decided that it was wrong. Actually, some relatives realized what was going on and started feeding their relatives water, and these relatives didn't die. The lid was off, everybody knew what it was, so they had to stop it. And uh, we have got a community nurse coming on in the new year, Um, And she's left nursing because of what she's seen. But she said, actually, they didn't stop it. The very next day that it was to be stopped, they continued with all the same drugs and the same practices, but they called it end of life care. So it was never really stopped, was it, Stuart? No, and those two names were synonymous
2: anyway in the paperwork. Um, but if you, there's a very interesting time because when 13, 14 years ago now, um, our conservative government came into power, they inter- immediately launched a review of end of life care. And again, this is very relevant to COVID, and it carries on to 2031. And um, what they did was that they incre- they looked at the number of the population, um, and they decided in forward planning, how many people would die right the way up to 2031, how many required to have end-of-life drugs. The same time, it was being exploded in, in the media about this uh, livable care pathway, and it was shown that 29% of the elderly going into hospital, 29% were being literally, I was going to say euthanized. i would come up with a, a, a new word, which is eugenicized. Uh, eugenicized. Uh, um, because what you've got is a combination of eugenics mixed in with euthanasia and um, it's also involuntary euthanasia you don't know it's not assisted dying this is just happening in this country and Dr Henry Marsh himself Professor Henry Marsh also used that term of involuntary euthanasia so you're you're still probably wondering what's the connection between this and COVID in the first week of 2021 when the vaccine just before the vaccines were just coming in I found another study, and I, I previously found a study that said eighty-three percent people were dying. This study looked at one hundred and forty-four hospitals. The first ten people that died in each hospital, every single one of them was given end-of-life drugs. They were they were put down as COVID deaths. Every single one of them was given end-of-life drugs. So I then worked out. I went back through the calculations through twenty twenty. We had all the success number of drugs which were brought over from uh, France, believed to be. But forget the source for the moment. Um, I I did some calculations. I found out all the orders, worked out how much there were in a packet, what the doses were, and I found out that uh, an additional 9.9 million milligrams of medication of midazolam had been made available for this purpose. So for COVID, they were giving midazolam. Midazolam in no way could possibly help you with COVID. It's a respiratory depressant and the
1: one thing yeah it, it paralyzes your breathing muscles and during that first time just for recap there was Matt Hancock was on the telly our health minister and they were he was being asked you know about a good death which is where the word palliative and all comes from Latin And he's uh, and he was asked what he needed. Euthanasia. Yeah, euthanasia. And he was asked, uh, palanthos is, yeah, euthanasia. So he was asked, did he have enough, Uh, what he needed? He needed a syringe driver. He needed the midazolam and somebody to give it. And he was asked, did he have enough of these things? And he said, yes. So they actually ordered another 9.9 million milligrams of midazolam, which was supplied to Supply Chain Coordination Limited and he was the director in his capacity as health minister. And that came from Accord Healthcare Limited, who one of the directors is Lord Baron Gaddier, who sits as court over the Bank of England, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. And is also in the House of Lords, obviously. Oh, the House of Frauds. Oh, oh, did I yeah. say that? I meant, <laughs> I meant Lords. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so Stuart. That's what, next what, door
2: to the House of Common Frauds, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, the House of Common Frauds and the House of Frauds. Stuart, this is all sounding uh, like it's one enormous plan. They're all interconnected. And if we look at what happened in Nazi Germany, when they decided that they were going to start euthanizing people, it all seems t- terribly, sc- and, well, I say scary because people have said to me they're scared, I'm not scared, but uh, it all seems very, very familiar it's all the same well it does thing. People, people think
2: people think of nazi germany as only from 1939 to 40 uh, to 45 but it actually was in 1933 Yeah, it started and they were already working um on eugenics from that period mein kampf um was written in
1: 1924 hitler had always uh, and decided a, he yeah, was going to- a doctor wrote to an American publication under a pseudonym and said they're practicing eugenics here in Germany in the early 20s. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So
2: they, he'd already decided on eugenics, which he copied from uh, Charles Davenport in America, which Charles Davenport had copied from Sir Francis Galton in 1883 when the word eugenics was um, coined. And that they were, were steadily working on this now. People think of uh, World War II hero Winston Churchill, but he attended the World Eugenics Congress in 1912. He was a yeah. staunch eugenicist. Five times he tried to bring in the forced <laughs> sterilisation bill for for women. And you'd have been all right because you're blonde, tall, and uh, gorgeous. So well, you, I used so I, as I alien, used
1: to be blonde. <laughs> I used used to be uh, blonde. It's a bit mousy, but uh, probably but you, you, yeah. You know, you'd it's be terrible, deemed between you'd, you'd have you'd have been you'd have been okay um
2: but um, the, the point is is that this idea of there's, there's what they call positive uh, eugenics which is trying to improve breeds interestingly they used um pigeons um, pigs horses as examples of how to achieve breeding so there's they were trying to do that side of things but the negative side is that you got rid of anybody disabled anybody who's epileptic anybody who's autistic anybody who was different um, and you then tagged onto that anybody who was a dissident um, because they were really awkward and upset the government. So they were also not only gassed, um, injected and given these uh, these nasty drugs, they were given morphine. They were given um, scopalamine, which is highest in, in the, the, the current um, cocktail. Um, they were given uh, phenobarbital. And all of those drugs, drugs have also been used on death row. And midazolam, particularly, these death row drugs were also used on death row. So even the doses, the 10 milligram dose was the same in 2014 on death row as it is currently carried by paramedics in the UK. Um, so the, their intention is uh, uh, Hang on, Stuart.
1: Stuart, as I understand it, a Supreme Court ruled that you couldn't use that on death row because it was akin to waterboarding and torture, prolonged torture. Yeah. But they... Yes. I've put it in 2020, it was in the guidelines to be given to these so-called COVID patients. So what was banned in a Supreme Court? Was that 2017 or around? Uh, 2018. 2018. In a Supreme Court, Uh, it was banned, banned as as akin to Exactly. So I'm I'm going to link the two. So I'm now going to link the
2: two, the the end of life drugs to COVID. In the COVID protocols, these drugs, these end of life drugs were the solution. If you had breathlessness, rather than giving you oxygen, uh, treatment for uh, ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, rather than giving you the things that would be beneficial to you, like budesonide, which had a 90% success rate. If we go back to that study that 20,133, 18,120 people would have lived if they'd been given budesonide. That's 90% of that figure. That shows you how many people would have survived. If you look at globally, there's two figures for, for, for global COVID. Uh, there's 7 million is the lower figure, um, which would give you uh, 6.3 million would have survived. That's 90%. And if you look at the, the, the bigger figures, which is very interesting as well, which we discussed the other day, the, the World Health Organization themselves at the end of, 2021 decided that the figures were completely undercounting and they set up a task force TAG and they said that there's actually 14.9 million people have died of COVID worldwide and there was an underestimate. That will be um, a heading above the figure that died from the the Kansas flu in 1918-19 and I think they got scared at that point and they backed off and they've gone back to the 7 million figure as a total. But literally, 90% of all these people could have survived if they'd been given something positive, i.e. oxygen, uh, standard treatment for ARDS, and budesonide, which would have uh, quelled quelled the calmed the lungs down and stopped the cytokine storm.
1: So Stuart, just going back to something you said there about they've now dropped the numbers. So they started off telling it was a much greater figure. And now all of a sudden, they've dropped that figure right down. And we discussed this. I wonder why they would want that. And and you suggested, well, they would want us to believe actually that the vaccine worked. And if they'd got the bigger amount yes, of deaths. If Yes, if,
2: if, if you added the vaccine into it from, from January 21 and the figures didn't go down, they've got a serious problem. So having announced that these much higher figures, somebody then thought, hang on a second, we're supposed to have the cure. That's supposed to be the vaccine. Now, again, it's critical because there's two periods. There's the pre-vaccine period which seemingly the cure, there was no cure at that time. All they did was end life as quickly as possible. In the UK, they removed 90,000 people from access to oxygen, which would have been crucial if you're having a respiratory um, condition, took them out of an NHS hospital bed, ironically, because they reduced the number of beds by the same amount, 90,000, over the last um, uh, 13 years. They've reduced that number down so that we couldn't possibly deal with the pandemic. So they took all the elderly out. So what you had was age discrimination, ageism. And that's why I've used the word eugenicide. And instead of it being against the Jewish people, um, instead of it being ethnic cleansing in um, uh, Shebronica, in Serbia, Croatia, instead of it being against the Rohingya people, it's against the elderly and the sick. Uh, If you were sick for other reasons, 16 charities were cajoled or lied to that if all of their 16 members—now this is an epilepsy society, a diabetes society, um, autistic society, British Heart Foundation, all the cancer groups—were told to put all of their groups into this cohort of six, but once they did, they were all graded at a clinical frailty scale level of five, which is mildly frail, which means that you do potter around in the garden, you just go, and, you know, go and dig your own um you know put a tree in for example you're not going to do heavy work and if you're a lady you get your husband to do the work and uh, perfectly reasonable that put you as mildly frail but if you had any of those conditions you just had a diagnosis of diabetes you're immediately putting that group if you then went into hospital and you did not improve by yourself without any further assistance you were then put on end-of-life drugs
1: so I hope you're hearing that, folks. If you can't dig a hole to get your own coffin in, but you can put a plant in the garden and you have pitched up at hospital um, with a clinical frailty score of five, it might be that you can't bend down anymore because your knees have gone. That would be enough. Um, and you don't get better when you enter the hospital. You could be placed on end of life care. Wowza. We are TNT Radio Live. I am Kate Shimarani, and let's hear a note from our sponsors and our last part of our show. Don't miss it.
3: With his expert analysis and opinion,
0: this is TNT Radio's Timothy
3: Shea. Swatting is one of the most deadly hoaxes one can perpetrate. It should be considered a terroristic threat, much like calling in a bomb hoax. And it's lethal, Potentially, not only for the residents, but also for the SWAT team that responds to the call, which typically is that someone just shot his wife, or someone's in the middle of raping someone, etc. Some heinous crime that requires a visit from SWAT. And yet, it's become the preferred political weapon of those on the left. Over the Christmas holidays, several politicians, including my own representative, Brandon Williams, here in New York 22, were swatted. But did we hear about any of the GOP politicians? Rick Scott, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Brandon Williams, others being swatted? No, the only swatting we heard about was that of Boston Communist Mayor Michelle Wu. Now, I don't agree that Wu shouldn't have been swatted. I think it's heinous no matter who the victim is. However, why does the media only cover a swatting when it's a Democrat victim? Why don't they ever cover it when it's Republicans on the receiving end? From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio.
4: When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee And that's when it really, really hit and Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a Widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. (laughs) Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you.
0: You're listening to Kate Shamarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: I am Kate Shamarani for TNT Radio, and you are listening to The Natural Nurse in a Toxic World. You're in The Natural Nurse Army. I do listen to the ads. I do listen to the ads and the Widowmaker Heart Attack we were just talking about there. Um did you listen to my show about pomegranate juice as well when we were talking about the heart there is a study where they had uh, two two groups of patients that were on drugs for having a huge vascular occlusion in their carotid arteries so that's uh, you know they'd lost over 70% of the Uh, of the uh, what patency. Is it? Is that what you call it? And uh, one group, they carried on letting them eat all the usual, what they want to eat. And then they both carried on with their drugs. And one group for two years took eight ounces of pure pomegranate juice. You can buy it on uh, the devil's tool, Amazon, Uh, get it elsewhere if you can, but it's pure organic Biona. Eight ounces is a very small glass daily. Massive improvement in all of those patients. It was huge. Virtually... Road swept, mind swept th- those blood vessels, and the group that didn't have the pomegranate juice, they went downhill. So, folks, don't forget you are what you eat. Today's food becomes tomorrow's cells, and no amount of prescription medication or exercise is an offset for a poor diet. Uh, We're talking to Stuart Wilkie today, and we're talking about the National Homicide Service, COVID protocols, how if you can dig a hole and put a small plant in it, but you can't dig it enough to get your coffin in there, you're gonna be clinical for LT score five. If you pitch up at the hospital with breathing problems, you could be placed on end of life care. This is fact. Stuart, we started off with uh, protocols, NG159, NG 163, NG 191, 27.7, 27.5. These are their protocols, their guidelines that they uh, give the medics to use, who then write the scripts for the nurses to deliver it. And then the next people that see those people on their journey are generally zipping them up in a black bag. Um, we're now on to 29.5, Stuart, aren't we? the The next protocol is 29.5, and it's horrific.
2: It is. And what what they'll they'll do on this is they're not going to treat you at all until there's been an MDT meeting, multidisciplinary team meeting, which includes a palliative doctor. So if you go in there and you're um, aged over, not just 60, but aged over 18, you've got two comorbidities. um, They're even going to allow care workers to do a medical assessment on you based on um, on your finger as to what your oxygen level is. And people are are being tested on a pulse oximeter themselves. That is now the standard for telling that you have serious COVID. If it's less than 92, then apparently you have serious serious COVID. If you've got two comorbidities, which could be diabetes, it could be any minor um, thing. And these could be just recent diagnoses. I I, I, I have to it.
1: And even with no symptoms, if you just go to the hospital and you're not coughing, you're not having breathing problems too much. You're, you're not snotting and all the rest of it. They're going to do that pulse oximeter on you. Or even if, if they come to your house, the paramedics, the doctor, the care workers, their care homes, uh, they're going to do that pulse oximeter on you and they can diagnose COVID even when asymptomatic, aren't they? Absolutely. And that that will be the criteria. This is the
2: algorithmic medicine. So nobody has an assessment. At that point, you are immediately triaged, a population triage. We're back to eugenics again and eugenicide because they will, on that basis, decide whether or not to give you treatment. If you don't get any treatment, say you're just a little bit shortness of breath, dyspnea, and you don't get oxygen, you're going to get worse. At that point, they will decide you've deteriorated and put you on end uh, end of life drugs. And the the level of the drugs they're going to give you, the combination, the synergistic reaction between those drugs means that you're not going to get out of it. Um, a, a, A healthy person would not get out of it. So if you're slightly sick, now I should explain, I've been in hospital, I've tested and proved this myself. I was in Adam Brooks Hospital in Cambridge in 2021. They insisted I had COVID, I didn't go in there with COVID, I went in there with a completely different ailment, which was easily treatable. They didn't even attempt to treat that. I had just passed 60 at that point literally only by a few months um, and that is is two years ago december 20 um, um december 21 and their conclusion was i must go on a ventilator i must have remdesivir and remdesivir is a poisonous drug it was not necessary i specifically asked for and i they refused to give it to me that's a 30 pound drug which could have treated everybody they could even be done at home with a nebulizer. You didn't need to go into hospital. You can treat yourself at home for eighty pounds, thirty pounds for the drug, fifty pounds for the nebulizer. So they—they they were all these doctors were working to protocols. It didn't matter. It's just like Nazi Germany and the nurses that gave the drugs. And for a few Reichsmarks, they would—they would actually take—they they they'd dob somebody in to, a, a child to be killed. And it's the same thing. So people went in there. I saw inside the most insane. Uh, infection control I've ever seen they shut all the outside Mm. windows you need fresh air they opened all the internal rooms and they put all the elderly people on this ward I was on a red covid ward in one room together sitting side by side
1: Stuart I'd just like to say I was on a ward which had lots of oncology patients on it uh, with a hematology wards lots of blood cancers As I walked past some rooms, it was like mannequins lying in the bed. There were such atrocious colours. When I walked into my daughter's room, all the windows were shut. She was lying flat. It it was horrible smell. All the ward was like it. It was dirty. It wasn't clean and uh, not to the standards that I would want. Anyway, the first thing I did was open all of the windows. Florence Nightingale used to say, you let out the breath of the dead. What happens when you breathe out? You're breathing out the products of metabolism, your carbon dioxide, but you're also breathing out toxins. And that's why masks in one study within, within I think it was five to 10 minutes, they're full of the bacteria that causes pneumonia. So when you go into these hospitals with no windows open, I, I nursed in the day when all the windows were flung open first thing in the morning and you threw an extra blanket on the bed. Uh, I do that in my own home, I open all the windows, even if it's freezing, I sleep with the window open. So when you walk into a ward and there's, all the windows are shut and they've got the nurses coming in, uh, well, uh, I wouldn't have allowed half of them in looking like that, some of them are okay, but also you've got them bringing dirty trolleys up, paramedic trolleys. If this was a deadly pandemic and, and it clings to furniture, clings to us, and you're taking somebody out of a hospital bed into a care home that's got COVID, which is what they did, on trolleys, surely it'd be stuck to the wheels, the blankets, the sides, all the equipment, all over their uniforms. And then we saw them shopping in the supermarkets in their uniforms, didn't we, with their dirty, filthy lanyards on. I, whilst they've been in these wards with all the windows shut, it's bonkers. And for you nurses out there that went along with it, bonkers, 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 bonkers. bonkers. Anyway, Stuart, please yeah. do continue on the red covid on the. On, on, on the red COVID wards, a lot of the
2: elderly were forced to wear masks. And that was insane. They've got a respiratory virus. The one thing they needed was oxygen, piped oxygen. They weren't allowed that. They had masks. And I know of one particular nurse who removed the mask on her shift. And when she finished, the next nurses put the masks on. And all of those patients died, which is hardly surprising. So we were not talking with a massive, highly contagious, highly dangerous thing that would have killed millions of people. What has happened is that they have used this to kill millions of people. And in in this country, this has uh, steadfastly increased over the years. The the doses of drugs, I I managed to tally it. I I mentioned to you about the um, the 9.9 million. Uh, If you divide that by the 549,000 that was in at the start in 2020, which was in the Lansley Review paperwork, In 2011, that is, and this continues on to 2031. So, don't think I'm only talking in the past. I'm talking of the the next, the future as well. Um, And and also, it's global because these um, methodologies were carried out in 30 are are being carried out in 31 countries. 68% of all COVID deaths happen within 10 countries. 68%. Think about that. Britain and America being the two prime ones. Go back to 2019. And the, who, who were the people that filled up the seats in the World Economic Forum, Britain and America? They each paid $19,000 a seat. There's 3,000 seats. That's £57 million pounds to Klaus Schwab. 50, it's $57 million million dollars to Klaus Schwab. And all of those people planned what was going to happen next. We also
1: know I, it in January said, of 2020. Can I just ask, Stuart, where did that money come from for those seats? They sound like that. Our money. It's it, we, we,
2: the government. So this is why um, this this Menzies Ray. Have a look at it. it this is the plural of Menzies Ray. They did this knowingly and deliberately, and they um, collectively worked together. They worked for uh, Big Pharma. They worked for the banks. They worked not for us, the people, they worked for themselves and they worked for all these organisations. We've just got a new health minister, as you know, £773,000 yeah. £773, yeah, invested Me, in Ross. Pr- Professor
1: Bell. Bell, Professor Bell, I have yes. said with, dong, the amount of dong, money. They, on high. Well, uh, ding dong, you're so lovely and so clean. But when I said Professor Bell, a different word sprang to mind for the end of the sentence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and yes. he to own seven, well, over 700,000 shares. In Roche, talk about—he's not going to go against the company that he's got all the shares in, is he? No, he's going to want you on all the what's drugs the chances, as many as possible.
4: What's, so, he what's makes the chances willing- of it
2: being the same? The, the same company that Andrew Lansley, the former health secretary, who created all this, that he worked for as well. Same company. Mm-hmm. But going back to this money, it, the, 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 the amount of drugs I worked out. Because if you're wondering, you know, is this hypothesis? I worked out that the five hundred forty-nine thousand. With the 9.9 million works out to eight eight eighteen million, eighteen milligrams per person. I then found a study, but for a, a National Institute of Health study that showed 17.8 milligrams of midazolam was the average given. I then found out a shocking thing, if you if anything you from today you need to look out for, it's a specialist palliative care unit. Because the doses of drugs that they gave were up to 70 milligrams of midazolam and up to eight that's enough to kill a horse, of uh, of morphine, put those together. So people aren't going to get away. So what was COVID, or coffee, was in fact an excuse to kill these vulnerable people, these elderly people, and that, that is what has
1: happened. That's the eugenicide. Well, Stuart, I know, because you've shared documents with me and anyone follow me on Twitter um, will see that. And when we're talking about these special care units, we're talking about these huge amounts of drugs. And I think the starting dose from a is 0.5 milligrams, not exceeding three milligrams in a 24 hour period for a patient who's 60 with comorbidities. Frail. And you're supposed to I am frail, and you're supposed to monitor them. And yet these nurses just followed the prescription that the doctors had written, following the guideline that came down from government, and they're still doing it. Who's doing it, Stuart? Who is it that's ultimately? Well, if, first,
2: first to that point, if you're giving eighteen milligrams as an average, that you're actually giving twenty nine milligrams because that's with the synergistic effect. You have to times it by one point five nine. So that's the first thing that the nurses don't know what the drugs they're giving. Who's giving it? It goes back to John Ellishaw, the protocol. <coughs> who's doing the, the, the eugenicists in 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 a, in our government at the start of all this? We had a guy called Andrew Savisky, right, who advised Boris Johnson. And he's a known eugenicist. And he was he was removed from government only because he was exposed. But Boris Johnson wanted him to stay. And what we have is eugenicists are in control. And it's global. It's not just in the UK. As I say, there's 31 countries who think that they can end your life. They call it a good death, which is euganatos from the Greek, good death. And it's completely they, they stole this. Um, back in AD 14, an um, the, the, the emperor died, Augustus. He died naturally, no drugs involved, no poisons, right? and he died naturally with his, his wife uh, beside him and his daughter. And he he had a natural death. That was a, a good, good death. death. And that's what Suetonius described. It was never a good death, had no n- no mention for, the, for um, uh, pharmacopoeia. There were no poisons involved whatsoever. Which and what which. you have is people...
1: Yeah, people. People playing
2: God and giving concoctions to shorten life, and it could be by a week, a month,
1: a year, five years, a decade. They don't. But actually, it. that's right. Vaccines. No vaccine has ever been proven safe. No vaccine has ever been proven effective. And thank goodness the uptake is now dropping because people are seeing the lie. They uh, get you okay, when you're coming baby. on the vaccine. We've we've got to go, Stuart. But I will bring you back on our show. We've only got a couple of minutes left. And and I'm always acutely aware of leaving people with a good note. Yeah, let's come back on later. Come on, on after the new year. And you can talk all about the vaccine because otherwise people think that the world is is terrible and it's depressing and they're afraid. And this is what these gangsters want, don't they, Stuart? They want us to be afraid, subdued doing everything they tell us. Let me tell you folks, the world is an amazing and beautiful place and you were put here to enjoy it, not endure it. And that is why they're showing you all these wars and everything going on around the world. So look, do have the best New Year's Eve ever because come January the 2nd, you're gonna be on a massive glass of organic celery juice every morning as soon as you wake up because that's your first day of your seven-day bender with me, Kate Shemarani. You've been listening to me, Kate Shemarani, on TNT Radio Live. You can email me, Kate kateshemarani, at tntradio.live. Stuart Wilkie, thank you so much. Thank you to the, the producers. Thank you to all of you in the Natural Nurse Army, and thank you to TNT Radio Live for giving me the opportunity to throw love at you all. Last Days of 23, welcome 24.